And welcome back to the Tailgate Kickoff. I am Ryan Horvath here on the BetQL Network as well as the Odyssey app. You can check out the podcast wherever you find the podcast. Five-star review, that's all we ask. We're going to talk with Kelly in Vegas, Wager Talk owner and host. The bet on it here in one second. Really quick, though, we got some uh, more news looking at injuries today. So Pete Thamel has this one. Kansas State star quarterback Will Howard, who's been limited in practice, is actually going to warm up and attempt to play today against Central Florida, considered a little better than 50-50 on whether he's going to end up being able to play in this game. However, uh, Treshawn Ward is out for Kansas State. So there's an update for you for Kansas State. Taking on Central Florida, there's been some line movement where you could have grabbed Central Florida plus six if you liked that earlier on. All right, let's do it. Let's talk with Kelly in Vegas right now, host and owner of Wager Talk. Kelly, how have you been? Hey, Ryan, been good. Decent weekend last week. NFL has been atrocious. As we all know, college football is my bread and butter, and that is why I'm here. So you got to make the money on Saturday to give it back on Sunday, right? Before we get to the marquee games, let's start with some of these sneaky games, right? And uh, I was really high on Pitt coming into the season, which is funny because last year I went under on their win total. This year, though, when the six and a halfs popped, I was like, a three-win adjustment doesn't make sense. I'm not the biggest Narduzzi guy, but he's solid, and I really like Phil Jerkovic coming over from Boston College. It looked like he was fully healthy. He was reuniting with his old OC, but it's been a mess, and he looked terrible last week in the backyard brawl. What are you doing against North Carolina where you could have had Pitt? Uh, there's some seven and a half still available. Yeah, you got to get the seven in the hook, right? Even though I do think Pittsburgh has a shot to win this game, you're right about Narduzzi, man. Frustrating sometimes to bet on when you kick those, uh, you know, fourth and goal, field goals on the one instead of punching it in. That is not what you want to see as a better. But Narduzzi has been better over the last few years. He's gotten a little more aggressive. And I can get behind him at an 8 p.m. Eastern, like, home environment this is the heels first road start of the season and if you guys were listening last weekend i bet against north carolina and while it didn't work out for us in a way it gave me more of an insight into exactly what i thought who drake may actually was the gophers defense proved if you can put pressure on him he will make mistakes and mistakes he has made so far this year i'm going to take the better defense plus the points here do i hope they win this game outright absolutely ryan is it going to be a tough road Yes, they're going to have to play a perfect game to catch that plus 240. Great point on Drake May, too. And I love Drake May. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. But if you go back really since, like, week nine of last season, he hasn't been the same quarterback. They're getting pressure on him. I think, like, a lot of it is he doesn't have downfield weapons. Like, Tez Walker's not going to be able to play this season. There's no downs anymore. But also, just a lot of, like, too high shell against him. Those two safeties are screwing him up. Let's talk a little BYU-Kansas because this one's been going all over the place. Uh, BYU... Man, Kansas getting a lot of love in the market, actually. A nine and a half out there right now. What are you doing today on this one? Yeah, Kansas has been getting a lot of love in the market all year long yeah. and dates back to last year. And listen, as a K-State grad, I do not want to discredit what Lance Leopold has been able to do in Lawrence. I'm very excited for that rivalry to actually be back and not 30, 40-point blowouts. That being said, Kansas is not used to this favorite role. We saw them struggle in Reno last week against a really bad Nevada FBS school. I was on BYU plus the points. I left them out of my money line parlay, and I kicked myself all Saturday saying, okay. Now, I didn't put them back in this weekend because we know how tough it is to win as back-to-back -back road underdogs. BYU made an absolute statement versus Arkansas last week, who might have been looking ahead. But KU, speaking of looking ahead, guess who they have on deck? Oh, that's right, Texas. And we all know that this Jayhawks team loves to play them some Longhorns. Texas obviously much improved. I think they get caught looking ahead here. The nine and a half points is entirely too many. I made this game six, so let's just hope BYU can keep it under a touchdown. 
You know what I knew my uh, Pittsburgh ticket was screwed when they lost to Cincinnati 27-21 a couple weeks ago. And then last week, Cincinnati at home lays an egg against Miami, Ohio. They lose that game 31-24. It was a weird game, though. Like, they outgained them by 200 yards. Problem was, they were terrible on fourth down, and they had some turnovers. So what are you doing today? Because the hook's gone. We're looking at a 14 right now. Always shot for the best prices, obviously. But BetMGM has this one. Oklahoma, 14-point favorites. But for Cincinnati, it's the home debut in the Big 12. What do you got today? It is, man. Gosh, last week was really frustrating if you were a Bearcats fan, right? You got a team like less than 50 miles up the road, little brother, and uh, you lose. That is usually very unacceptable. But again, we're starting to look at these spots where teams might have started looking ahead. And I think that's exactly what Cincinnati got caught doing. Off a nice underdog win over Pitt. I played him plus the points there. Of course, didn't have any single dollars on the money line. But this is a Sooners team who looks like just the Sooners of old, right? They're averaging 56 points per game. They're crazy on third down, almost 65%. This is not a team, though, that has played anybody. They have not shown me that any of these teams are worthwhile. I think Cincinnati pulls themselves up by the bootstraps, keeps it within two touchdowns here at home. Oklahoma, Iowa State on deck, and while that doesn't seem significant to anybody else, they don't cover before Iowa State. Last seven times they played Iowa State, they did not cover. Something to kind of look at here, uh, whether – Iowa State is actually good or not. I don't know if it matters. Oklahoma, for some reason, does not like going into Ames. What do you think about, okay, so Missouri, Brady Cook is going to start at quarterback. What do you think about Missouri-Memphis today? Yeah, we did think he was going to start, and uh, I don't think it really matters. I think Brady Cook showed a lot last week against Kansas State. Um, Obviously, if you guys watched that game, Missouri broke an SEC record, 61-yard field goal as time expires. Congratulations to them But boy, did they party hard in Columbia over that win. I mean, it was like a Super Bowl. Now, if you also remember, Ryan, this Memphis game was supposed to be played in Memphis. And Missouri said, hey, no, either we're going to play it on a neutral field or we're out. So this game's going to be in St. Louis. Now, Mizzou's last two wins have come by a touchdown or less. And yes, Brady Cook is going to play. Do I think he's 100%? No. The rest of their injury list is pretty deep as well. So keep an eye on that one. Plus Memphis, a little bit of a rest advantage because they played Navy earlier last week. I think this is going to be a knockout, dragout game. Missouri has SEC play on deck, and unfortunately it's Vandy. I would have loved for it to have been like an Arkansas or something. I would have absolutely hammered this Memphis line. But because it's Vandy, you kind of can't really count it as a look-ahead spot. All right, let's talk about some of these marquee games. And uh, Florida State, this is the second straight week. They got to get up for a noon start. Last week, they had a flu bug. They barely got past Boston College. They didn't even score in the final 17 minutes. They nearly got uh, Jordan Travis off in that game. I thought they literally killed him. And now they have to travel to Death Valley. And the narrative is Clemson sucks because they lost to Duke. They had a bunch of red zone turnovers. And the narrative is Florida State's, you know, back because they're undefeated, um, even though they did barely get past Boston College, won that game by one score. What do you like in Florida State Clemson, or what's your lean? So I'm going to say this. Uh, my, my sports betting brain says don't buy into what we've seen so far from Florida State. Uh, you know, everybody's ready to give them the college football playoff after they beat LSU, if you remember. And then, like you said, Clemson loses to Duke. So let's use a little logic here. The problem and why I can't get to the window here has nothing to do with Clemson. It has to do with Dabo Sweeney. There's a couple of coaches that I kind of have to wonder if the game isn't getting away from them. And by the game, I mean the Deion Sanders game, the transfer portal. They're losing some of these key guys. Some of those press conferences last year where DJ took a lot of blame now is at Oregon State. 
This is kind of a tough one. Now, is this too many points for Clemson to be a home underdog? They're never home underdogs. Like, they've been home underdogs six times in the last two decades, it feels like. Dabo Sweeney has been an absolute monster. 93-8 and since taking over this program. So I don't want to just discredit him yet, but there's a little caveat there that I'm kind of keeping an eye on a couple of these coaches. Eileen Clemson here, Florida State. Clemson, little uh, little preview as to what who might come out of the ACC here, but good grief. I, I don't think I can lay points here with a Florida State team with a banged-up quarterback against a Clemson team who's got to be pretty angry. You know, it's funny. We have Clemson-Florida State, which usually would be the marquee game, but it's the noon kickoff. And then tonight we get Ohio State-Notre Dame. Notre Dame trying to win that game for the first time since 1936. As a Notre Dame fan, don't think it's going to happen. But we'll talk about that here in a second. It's funny, though, because everybody's going to have all eyeballs. Everybody's going to be watching Colorado-Oregon. Colorado's the best story right now in college football. Is this the week, though, that you fade Colorado? Are you waiting maybe next week? They do have USC. I'm not the biggest trends guy, but Oregon against the spread at home in the Pac-12 covers at a 57% clip. If you go all the way back to 2005, and I just, I hate this matchup for Colorado, especially in the trenches. What are you doing in this game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I bet against Colorado last week. Uh, One of my buddies convinced me to take Colorado State of 23 and a half, and I didn't even really give it a second thought. I said, all right, fine. And, you know, Colorado State, another team who's really benefited from the transfer portal. Jay Norvell has done a really good job there in Fort Collins. Now, you brought up before I came on the show that lovely Texas Tech bad beat that I may not get over till I'm 50. Uh, but that was a bet against Oregon. And that was an honest-to-God bet against this, this Ducks team. I did not think they were going to be that great this season. So I'm not rushing to lay 21, 21 and a half, when 14 and a half was available last week. Like, that's kind of where there's a little bit of an overreaction. I'm going to tell you this, though. I would not be surprised in the slightest to see it be a 42-20 final. This under cashes. I'm going to tell uh, a good friend of mine, Joe. He gave up the under early in the week. Under 70 and a half. I said, all right, this is going to be gross. I can't believe I have to sweat this under with two powerhouse offenses. But I do think that Colorado got humbled a little bit last week. So a slight lean towards Oregon on the side could be a, could be a boat race here. Yeah, absolutely. And give Kelly a follow, obviously, on Twitter, Kelly in Vegas, and check out her stuff all week because we're betting good numbers on Mondays and Tuesdays. Then we do the show Saturday morning, and the market's just all beat up. I want to ask you about this game. I'm actually glad the market's a little bit beat up. Two games I want to get to quickly here. So Alabama, anything under a touchdown, I feel like has to be a play. I know Ole Miss is undefeated, but Jackson Dart's their leading rusher. I still think Alabama's tough in the trenches. And I think this is a a Tommy Reese game. Everybody keeps talking about the quarterback situation. But you got to do more quarterback design runs. They've only called five this season, and Milrose averaging nine yards per carry. You can't run the Alabama offense. You were running for Tua and Bryce. Like, this has to be a Tommy Reese game. But what are you doing? Because I see Ole Miss taking a lot of love, obviously. There's some six and a half, some six outs uh, there right now. Yeah, I know some really smart guys that took Ole Miss early in the week at seven. And, you know, we know what Nick Saban does to his former assistants. That was until he lost to see Steve Sarkeesian with Texas there a couple of weeks ago. Alabama is that other coach that I don't know what we're seeing here, right? You don't see Nick Saban funnel in three different quarterbacks against a non-conference foe like we saw last week. They absolutely struggled there. And I understand that sometimes these teams have to work out their woes, but we're not used to seeing teams like Clemson and Alabama have to go through what other college programs have to go to. They just reload. Well, they're not reloading in Alabama, and that concerns me. 
again, slight lean here towards Old Miss. If you got the touchdown, under a touchdown, we should be able to see Alabama go in there and win that game. But, man, I just have some weird feelings about a couple of these older coaches that are refusing to adapt, if, that, if you will. And that's why they're, they're keeping me off of a couple of these games that maybe I would have been on previous years. All right, I want to ask you about this one because this game fascinates me, and I think it might be like the sneaky sleeper game of the day. It's UCLA taking on Utah. Utah, obviously a really tough place to play, but I don't think Cam Rising is going to go. He's at least not going to start in this game. Johnson's going to go again. And the number's been bouncing all over the place. Utah, there's a three and a half out there. I was actually hoping Rising would play so I could get a six, six and a half with UCLA. I think they're the better team. What are you doing in this game, though? Utah, obviously at home, tough, and they're getting a lot of love here. Yeah, I was hoping Cam Rising was going to go as well. We did see it hit six. There were some rumors going out that he was going to go now back to three and a half because it looks like he's not, at least as you mentioned, he's not going to start. The Utes have been a great home favorite, right? Yeah. Eight and one in their last nine. That's kind of a team that I like to get behind, this smash mouth football that we see from Utah. You've got UCLA, though, who kind of perplexes me offensively, right? We're not used to seeing Chip Kelly's offenses sputter. And that's kind of my concern here. I'm not going to be getting involved in this one. I looked at UCLA as a dog early in the week when it was four and a half. Then we thought we were going to get Cam rising. I thought, okay, let's get interesting here. Without him going, I just don't think I could do it. Like I said, UCLA has just really struggled. And sometimes when I need teams to pass the eye test and they can't, right? Coastal Carolina, San Diego State, NC, A&T, those are just not teams that maybe they either showed enough against or maybe they're just not a good football program. All right, we got about 60 seconds. Tell me why Ohio State beats Notre Dame or why Notre Dame at least covers against Ohio State. The look ahead this summer was Ohio State seven and a half. Now we're down to uh, three and a half. Threes are out there. I like Ohio State. Listen, Ryan, you're a, you're a Notre Dame fan, so I'll give you the why I think Notre Dame covers instead of why I think Ohio State huh? covers. Look, the whole world's on Notre Dame. I don't understand the love. I was against Sam Hartman a couple weeks ago in North Carolina State. That obviously didn't work out for me. So I don't really want to bat either one of these teams, if we're being honest. But here's the, here's the caveat. Last year, going to the shoe, up at halftime. There's a little revenge there for some of these guys, right? Now you're at home. You play an Ohio State team that maybe – doesn't know their identity either and so this is a really good chance for Notre Dame to capitalize early again I know a lot of guys I respect the bet Notre Dame plus three in the hook early that's good news for you uh, my only caveat is is I still am not sure that the Irish can win big football games and that has been their Achilles heel for a really long time Kelly thanks so much do this again next week good luck today how many screens you got going today Ooh. Probably only three. I only have one noon kick. I have three tonight at 8 p.m. though, and my K-State Wildcats. So make that four. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun one tonight and uh, late night on the East Coast. Good luck. Talk again next week. That's Kelly in Vegas. Give her a follow on Twitter. Wager Talk owner and host. The bet on it does great work. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna talk with Nick Shepkowski because we got a preview Ohio State Notre Dame. Also, I got three more bets coming your way. It's the BetQL tailgate kickoff. I'm Ryan Horvat here on the BetQL Network.